This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Three Wise Monkeys podcast, a weekly podcast that's all about the markets and investing. My name is Andrew Page, founder of strawman.com, and as always, I'm joined by Matt Joss from mattjoss.com. Thank you, Andrew. Very happy to be here. And Claude Walker from ethicalequities.com.au. Hi, everyone. What are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about uh, some new and some old. So we're talking about uh, a company we talked about a little while ago, Appen, mm. and just made a major acquisition. So we'll talk that through. Envirosuite, a company that uh, Andrew's talked about before, has um, had some interesting stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pushpay, I'll touch on again, caught up with him recently. We've got a couple of new companies as well this week. Uh, so Claude's going to talk through uh, Clinuval, and right. Andrew's going to run through Advance Nanotech. Is that right? I think that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> some very cool, cool sounding names in there. Let's see yeah. if there's some cool businesses behind it. Absolutely. Do you want to kick us off, Matt, with Appen? Yeah, sure. So uh, we talked about this just two weeks ago. So if you want to hear what's been going on with the earnings results and that type of thing, tune into episode 15. Uh, but very quickly, what Appen does uh, started off as a language translation company. So companies that need uh, anything translated, whatever that is, and then branched out into providing the data for AI and machine learning algorithms. That's been a huge growth engine for them over the last few years, gone from about 30 million revenue in that segment to 300 million. And they've just announced the past couple of days a pretty major acquisition of one of mm. their competitors, uh, Figure 8. So the acquisitions for 175 million US up front, mm. plus potential for up to another 125 million after that. Um, Quite if they, a bit of if change. Yeah. So it's a pretty big, pretty big acquisition and they're a pretty decent um, competitor. But it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one to think through. Is that the company isn't profitable currently. It's about 40 million revenue. So that acquisition price is about 5.7 times revenue just for the base that they've committed to. That's what stood out to me a little yeah. bit. You Normally when you see acquisitions, that you know, um, companies love to quote sort of EBITDA multiples, you know, so earnings before interest tax, depreciation, amortization. Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually sort of see four, five times, something like that. Um, so, so to see almost six times sales, you kind of think, whoa, that's a lot. Having said that, though, Figure 8's been growing j- like pretty strongly, just like Appen has. Yeah, I think uh, revenue was up around 40 or 50%. They're forecasting another strong year this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and they're forecasting um, uh, less of a loss, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of things, uh, it's definitely growing, but it's a very different acquisition to what we might have talked about before when we talk about like five times EBITDA, as you said. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting one. I think... Um, there's a few things to think through. The first is that they're two quite different businesses. Uh, so Figure 8 and Appen both uh, providing data for AI. Mm. But Appen's traditionally done it by this kind of one and done, get a huge data set for some very big tech companies, um, and then kind of go back and when they need that repeated, maybe do another order. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't really had that um, been as recurring um, in, a, in its nature, whereas Figure 8 had designed um, software to, a software platform for this. So it makes it a lot easier for... Uh, small companies and medium-sized businesses to go and go on there and uh, create, you know, a schematic for what data they want, get that data, and now they're moving into being a marketplace for for the algorithms themselves. So it's quite mm-hmm. a different skill set. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting acquisition. I think I remember reading that um, the CEO was saying that look, we could we could build this software ourselves, but 
you know, it might take a few million and five years worth of work. So, um, so that was part of the justification for it. Not only that, it removes a competitor, which mm-hmm. is always nice. And not only that, but they have there wasn't a huge overlap either in the in the customer base. Yeah. So, you know, taken you know, like yes, a seemingly lofty multiple, but when you roll it all together, is this something that you look at and think is, looks like a good move? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I was thinking through it a bit over the past couple of days. Um, to me, it kind of amplifies the um, the optionality, I guess, the kind of the range of possible outcomes that will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. It could be much better if the if the acquisition works. Strategically, it's a great fit. Right. So it's a very it's quite a different skill set. You're adding a competency, but it's a lot higher. Um, a lot higher risk than the leap force acquisition. It's much higher um, price. Mm. The business isn't profitable. Mm. Um, I think we'll dig into it in a minute. A few kind of hairs on the business that they're acquiring figure eight itself. Yep. So there's a lot of lot more risk that it won't um, go well. I guess your base rate when you're thinking about acquisitions, most acquisitions are terrible. They destroy value. Yeah. And so you need to kind of keep that in mind when you're assessing it. I, I think it could go worse. It could go much better. It kind of like yeah, widens the possibilities to happen. Um, you... I'll bring Claude on in on a second to talk about some of these hairs, but just in terms of um, uh, this this price tag, they they don't have the the balance sheet to do it, so they're going to go out and raise capital. Yeah. Um, in fact, they've already done that with the institutional component. I think you were saying to me before it was actually like really oversubscribed, like by a significant amount. So they had even though so we talked about figure eight being on what nearly six times sales. Appen itself is on what seven point two times sales, so it's you know it's not cheap according to that yeah. traditional metric either, and yet they did offer a bit of a discount for for the instos and for the for the retail component as well. But even then, maybe they should have asked for a higher price given how popular it was. Yeah, it was only about an eleven percent discount. Um, the trade, the price before they before that happened, mm. uh, and from what I heard, a lot of the institutional um, in- investors were scaled back 90 percent. So it was pretty in demand. So it's like um, you do the maths on that. It's like they could have raised like a billion dollars without blinking <laughs> yeah, pretty if much. they wanted to. Pretty much. Um, I guess everyone maybe knew they were going to get scaled back. Maybe they put in a bigger order. I don't know how that um, politics all works. But yeah, so they did a big raise. Um, uh, 285 million from institutions, I believe. Only 15 million from retail, so mm. not ideal. Mm. Uh, we'd like to see a bit more for, from retail there, if possible. Yep. But uh, I understand as well they're trying to get it done quickly. Claude, cool. Thanks for that wrap up. I have to say I uh, broadly agree with the strategic nature of the acquisition makes a lot of sense. I guess what really interested me about the acquisition quite quickly, you know, the announcement came out, and I said, oh researching um, figure eight in a little more depth. And when you start looking into that company, one of the first things you come across is this Project Maven thing that they they were doing for Google. Project Maven. Yeah. (laughs) So basically what this was, was uh, through Google, but then using figure eight, they were getting people to sort of identify targets for drone strikes or drone warfare. Like... Bunkers and tanks well, and buildings, this is built, and you're right. that sort of okay. thing. Hospitals, children's schools, you know, that oh sort of thing. Gosh. And uh, of course, uh, that that that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. I mean, someone needs to teach the drones how to tell the difference between a hospital and a um, a bunker or whatever. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it, it does raise some interesting questions. So, taking a step back, as an ethical investor, that doesn't mean I have any set rules about what I can or cannot own. But what it does mean is I ask myself, uh, do I want to profit from this activity? Now, that's very, very different from saying, should this activity be allowed? 
And it's very different from saying, should someone else be able to profit from that activity? Yeah, it's a personal question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it really is for an ethical investor. The question is about whether they want to personally profit. Yep. Are they in a situation themselves personally where they feel comfortable making money out of that activity? There are plenty of activities that I want like I want a military, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. but do how do I how do I feel about making profit from gun sales? Completely yep. different. Yep. I actually think there shouldn't necessarily be a profit motive there. So the question here is whether we're starting to get into that territory, and because AI is a new technology, it's really reasonably untrodden ground in terms of us as human beings developing views on what is good and what is bad. Uh, for example. I can see lots of great uses of AI, especially in medicine and the like. Uh, and in, and indeed, um, ProMedicus is planning to use... There uh, it is. Take a sip. Yeah. <laughs> is planning to use uh, AI and incorporate that sort of machine learning stuff into uh, their own software mm. as a feature. So I can definitely see why... you know, And that's going to need people like the people that are the contributors for Figure 8 to help teach that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they'll do it. They might be actually using proper radiologists' data rather than rant, like people that are contributors. But mm. the point is, AI in itself, I don't think is a bad thing. And, you know, app and... It's, it's and, a tool, right? It's, it's how you use it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. And look, so also, you know, um, anything you think is bad, even so pokies, I think is probably one of the things I like least about Australia. We have 18% of the pokies in the world and, yeah. you know, 2% Crocodiles of the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you, you know, alcohol is served with pokies and, you know, pubs house pokies. Do I think necessarily all pubs are bad? Well, no, I like to go to the pub. I just think pokies are bad. You know, there are people that serve the sandwiches to the guys that design pokies to be more addictive. Do I think their business is bad? Well, yeah, where do you draw the line? Not really, exactly. Yep. So that's what that's the question that comes up with App and, and and Figure Eight more specifically for me, because App was previously more about text, which I was very comfortable with on an, an ethical standpoint. Yep. About the video, I feel a bit differently though. So this is this is one that's sort of maybe in the in the maybe pile for you because of that military connection. Yeah, well, basically, what I would really love to see would be to App to figure out what they themselves as a company think about this um, kind of business. It was brought up on the investor call, um, but they didn't really get into it other than to sort of imply, you know, they're looking forward to fulfilling those contracts, which is fair enough because they're trying to get this acquisition over the line. But the other little detail that's so important is it's very, very obvious that Figure 8 has had this huge exodus of employees. Mm. And I asked the CEO on the call, why? Why have the executives been leaving? And why have the other people been leaving? Now, it seems like they might have hired a bit too quickly, which is why they've lost some staff. But the ex- for the executives to be leading, leaving quickly, the CEO, fair enough, um, of Appen just said, well, we're respecting their privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit of a mystery why they left. But what we do know is employees left Google because they, didn't, they did not like this project. Right. So I don't know if it's the same thing or if it's a different thing. But for me, I just love to see Appen have a, a position on it and then I could make a decision on how I feel about their position. Yeah, and I think uh, I think there was probably quite a few layoffs as well um, from what we could see on Glassdoor, right? So probably 
which affects the culture, right? So this company had been losing money. There were some comments, you know, this company isn't going to be around. Maybe it's laid off a lot of staff. That doesn't create the best atmosphere. Um, yeah. So that, that's something to consider that uh, Appen has to integrate a company where people aren't particularly engaged potentially. Well, and, the, and yeah, the, the other thing as well is that actually could be a positive now for the morale at Figure 8 that Appen's bought it and said, hey, we're going to, we are, you are going to be around. Yep. And on the call, the CEO of Appen said that he was happy with the staffing numbers. So that's probably a positive for the acquired company. Nice one. And I should mention, we'll throw it into the show notes, you got interviewed by SBS during the week on this very topic. So, uh, well done. Oh, well, it wasn't SBS. It was AAP, but then it went out to SBS. Ah, there you go. Well, even better, right? On the newswires. Yeah. More coverage. Good fun. What's next? Next up, we've got EnviroSuite. Oh, EnviroSuite. Absolutely. Yeah, why don't you give us us what's been happening? Well, I tell you what, not a lot's been happening, really. Um, but except for the share price, which is up about 70% since the start of the, the month. Um, so it's a very big position for me. I'm very yeah. happy with that, obviously. But you again, you need to put, put all of that in context. So my question is, have you done a victory dance? Uh, no, because there was nothing in my thesis that said this thing's going to go up by 70% in the next month. And I but think that things may have got a little bit carried away. I'll come back to the valuation. Even just for your kids or something, you know, just a demonstration of celebration. Well, God bless my wife. I did mention it to her and she goes, yeah, but don't you always talk about, you know, fluctuations and how it doesn't mean anything in the short term. I was like, just let me have my moment. God damn it. <laughs> that's only when it's down. That's only when it's down. That's, that's the old joke. What is, what is, you know, what's volatility? It's what stockbrokers call down. Um, so look, we won't rehash the, the thesis. You can go back and look at episode Twelve and seven. Uh, we've mentioned it a few times before, but really, what lit a fire under this thing appears to be this announcement um, from uh, the company in regards to Tata Steel, one of the world's largest steel producers. It has adopted the EnviroSuite platform for one of its UK ports, uh, Port Talbot operations, uh, to manage air quality. So. It, they didn't give financials. I don't think in and of itself it is it is super significant on that front. It is strategically significant in the sense that this is the first in the steel manufacturing sector, the first major manufacturing contract win in Europe, which is also really great. And management said in the announcement there is significant, quote here, significant potential for further contracts in the sector. So I think what it said to the market is a couple of things. One, there's a whole new vertical out there where this is applicable. And two, we are dealing with some very, very, very big clients. So for example, if Tata was to find this rather valuable, there's a lot of operations that they could roll this out on. So that was that was really great. Um, a little bit of interest um, here, they did get a speeding ticket from the ASX because shares were up about 5% the day before the announcement, which always makes you think who knew what and when. I think it was more like 10%. It was a 10% was it um, so that was interesting uh, yeah as for the price it's interesting so obviously you listen to those previous episodes I was very strongly making the case that things were, were undervalued um, you look at it where it is now so we've talked before about this aspirational target they have they're expecting to double their recurring revenue component by um, for this financial year um, and they expect to do that again. So on, you know, based on what they've done, that's about 12 million in recurring revenue by the end of 2020. So another 15, 16 months away or so. Yeah. So shares are now on five times that forecast sale. So there's a lot baked into this. In a lot of ways, 10 cents to 17 cents doesn't seem like a much percentage wise, it's very big. So it is, it is, it is I, I, there's a lot of momentum, I think, behind this thing now. Well, you know, for a, for a bigger software as a service company, five times forecast sales is not necessarily 
too expensive. I mean, compare it to some others out there, it doesn't look too bad. I was going to do that. In fact, a near map I had a quick look at is 19 times its recurring revenue. Zero is on 11 times its recurring revenue. But... They're a lot bigger, more established. Yeah. yeah, it's a different stage of their of their journey. Yeah, but if anything, you know, just I, ha- I can't believe I'm now in the angel for EnviroSuite role. But oh, things have if changed. anything, they deserve a high multiple when they're really small and growing. However, the- I should probably note since I'm singing its praises, I actually sold some EnviroSuite today as I did yesterday, and the reason for that was quite simple. It's just if you look at their balance sheet and their cash burn, it looks to me like they have about a year before they would quite urgently need to raise it's capital. It's going to be close. So they they have recently said they expect to be operating profit positive or cash flow positive by, by the end of next financial year. But it's going to be close. It's going to be close. About nine odd million bucks I, I, in, in the bank. I feel like close doesn't cut it. You just need to raise them. It's, there's, there's a significant potential. Plus, they have hinted as well at the, at the potential for further acquisitions, which will almost certainly guarantee that that will be the case. What do you think about the gross margin for the business? Do you think that's comparable to some of these other software companies? Uh, that's a really good question because um, for a long time, they were, they were really talking a lot about how they're device agnostic, any kind of you know, um, sensor can be plugged into it. Now, they're talking more about their own uh, Enos um, uh, device, which they got through Odotech. Um, and the a lot of their the, what they're telling us is a lot of their customers want an all-in-one solution. So actually, can you guys come? Yeah, we love the platform, but can you just set everything up for us rather than us having to go and, and work it all out separately? So to your point, that is going to lower the gross margin. How much? It depends. Like the software is going to be super high margin. The device stuff's going to bring that back down. I think that's about 25, 30% sort of commercial margins in that space. How that washes up will depend on on the exact balance. Good question, though. Yeah. But anyway, look, that's 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 all there is to say on that. We will we will continue to watch. Um, bear in mind too, I've been with this for about a year now. This investment, I've been down as much as fifty percent, and prior to this month, up as much as thirty percent. So this is this, this thing could be five cents next week. You know, it could be twenty five. You, you, I think if you're an investor in this for the long term, which I am, I'm really got my eyes set on where this thing is three to five years. So so bear in mind if you are interested in this super 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 bumpy ride ahead. So I think the other day it was up about 25% and I asked you what's going on and you just said it's up 25%. Like there's no news. <laughs> that's that's, a, no, that's where, a Tuesday. <laughs> which is very fun. I like, feel right. very happy. But um, where do you get off the ride, I guess? Is there a point where you think, like if it just goes up with no news? Like, I, I guess if there's yeah. news, you might be able to justify the higher price. I said I'm already cord- getting off the lot. Oh, <laughs> I, said I do cord- have some. I do still hold some. Well, I, I said to you earlier um, in the week that I thought, you know, the, the closer it gets to 20, the more I'm, I'm thinking of of lightening the load a little bit. I'm also very mindful too that like when, when without getting too much into the weeds here, whenever you're trying to work out what is a fair price for a company, if you're looking at a, like a Woolies, for example, and you can sort of thumb suck some mid single digit type, you, you're not going to get these really wide swings in value. Like if I was to say to you, Matt, I've got an intrinsic value for Woolworths that's $482 and 17 sense you're going to laugh me out of the room mm-hmm. likewise if i say it's only worth three dollars and 22 cents it's just it's not plausible that range of possible outcomes very narrow when you're talking about very very small businesses with very very fast top line growth very very high degrees of operational leverage very very big long runways you can plausibly and i've heard other people do it say oh this thing's worth 50 cents and others say no it's, it's worth seven cents at best and and they both make compelling cases so my my point here is is that i think that you any sensible investor has an idea of value, 
But with these companies, if you are sort of in this for the long term, you don't want to be too clever uh, about it because as we have seen before with Prometicus, take a drink. Um, yeah. if, if, if you get too smart on on some of it, which, which I've done in the past, you get too clever with it and all you do is end up selling something that you know in, in 10 years time is worth 15, 20 times as, as much as you paid for it. Let's move on. Uh, Pushpay. Sure, yeah. Chat about Pushpay. So uh, we've talked about Pushpay before. Um, provides uh, software for the, the faith sector, particularly in the US. Um, I caught up with the team recently. They were coming through Sydney, so I just thought I'd give a bit of an update. Uh, so uh, it's been an interesting uh, time for Bushpay. They're just tipping into profitability. So their last, um, the last uh, results that they released last quarter, uh, cash cash flow went up or cash went up, I guess, which for the first time. We and should just mention quickly they're on a funny reporting cycle, aren't they? So yeah, their full year. The New Zealand reporting cycle. <laughs> so, like I said, <laughs> is, that, is that normal in New Zealand? <laughs> um, yeah. So their 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 full year will end at the end of March. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So they but they they've given guidance to be EBITDA positive, which so operate profit positive for mm-hmm. that for that full year yep. um, which is a pretty big pretty big change and it's interesting to decide what happens next with a company mm-hmm. I guess um, so the the kind of feedback that I got was they see themselves at the efficient frontier for their sales force they're um, you know regularly gaining new churches their uh, large and medium churches are up about 17 percent um, year over year so they're adding a, a steady stream plus their, their kind of back book is growing quite fast uh, if you look at like a cohort f- that they signed up three years ago um, last year that probably did extra revenue of about 25 to 30 percent so it's amazing there's a bit of leeway there but it does mean that they can't just cram more resources at the front um, to kind of goose sales they're kind of about there at the moment gotcha uh, just for listeners that might not know uh, what's the efficient frontier of the sales force <laughs> yeah so good question. that's a very good question so i was going to ask but <laughs> efficient I, frontiers efficient frontiers are basically just saying <laughs> that there's there's a certain point where your kind of unit return on investment starts to fall so um yeah they're saying that they're at Basically, they're saying that they're at a point where if they added any more salespeople, it wouldn't be a good use of capital. They're, they could add a bit more revenue, but it wouldn't really justify the cost. They're kind of there. They're at the right balance. Uh, that is so refreshing to hear a company talk like that, because especially with such a short-term focus with so many, you'd think it's just like, hey, let's just juice the hell out of this thing. You know, everyone's only, especially in 2019, we're only caring about the top line. Who cares about profit? It is good that, that, they, is want, amazing. that they want to do profits, but also that is like a tad bearish. And I'm, I still hold push pay shares of course and i'm excited about their impending profitability but it is a little tad bearish in terms of growth may slow yeah it's a different strategy i guess yeah Yeah. so um the the i think it helps that the founder and ceo owns about 100 million dollars worth he's um, he's building this for the long haul um but i think that the flip side of it so uh, revenue growth will be slower than previous years Mm. for sure but the flip side is um i think they can continue adding at a pretty steady rate that they have been but um, because they don't need to add any more salespeople or really any more staff, mm. um, they get pretty big leverage, operating leverage out of that. So, uh, and rev- operating revenue is at about 120 Love million. Those words. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what we like to see. Yeah. This is an inflection point. <laughs> so, revenue is at about 120 million now. So, you know, it doesn't take too much more for, you know, another 10 million of revenue, almost all of that falls to the bottom line or a very large chunk. Um, so, that's kind of the, the point they're at at the moment. So I might just add for any new listeners is that I think I and I think you, Matt, as well, both own Pushpay as we also both own and you own it as well, Andrew. Uh, it's part of my do what Matt does strategy. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So all three of us own Pushpay and at least me and Matt own Appen. 
Correct. No, no next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to Claude's point, it is like the growth slowing is it's kind of in this transition stage before it gets to profitability. So I'm not um, I'm not saying it's setting about to set the world on fire. But an interesting thing is I think this profitability will potentially allow them to make some acquisitions. So there's a very fragmented space. The church software market, a lot of it's like a, a, a smart techie guy who goes to church, created something for his church, rolled it out to a few others. They're not particularly sophisticated often around sales and marketing. And just the quality, like one of the big church management systems just runs some servers from like a remote location. Like it's not on the cloud, you right, know? Right. Um, so it's just a different level of quality, um, which opens up some options for different things that Pushpay could acquire and grow that way. But will they ever go to the cloud or, or do they <laughs> like their remote servers for reasons we don't understand? I don't know. I don't know. I won't, uh, I won't get into that i think um but i think there's a few different options for them so they could buy uh, a new product and kind of cross sell that there's some like some of the better products in the space or they could buy potentially a church management system and kind of build that out themselves and and get the customers up front there's a lot of different things a lot of different moving parts they could look at um yeah so i think it's an interesting an interesting time they're kind of playing the smart capital allocation game and operating leverage game Um, but it's a it's a very sticky business i i also touched on the recession they did a bit of work around that because they're thinking about how they forecast um, their, their cash flows moving what forward. Do you, what do you mean by the recession? The, res- the last recession, the last so the recession, GFC. Okay. So it's just a, uh, something that's come up with me is thinking how how much would they be impacted if there's another big recession in the yep. US yep. Um, because giving could go down. Uh, and their kind of some rough numbers was that it was around during the last time giving fell around 10%. And we should remember that it was a pretty serious pretty bad. It was a thing over in the US. Recession since, yeah. yeah, it's much worse than Australia. Which we we, we, didn't, didn't, even we have didn't have a recession. recession. <laughs> um, but if, if that was kind of the worst impact, it's not to say it would because it could be a different mix Sorry, of donors. So how much did it pull back? 10%. 10%. Yeah, wow. I think if that was the worst, that would be very um, doable, I guess. Very yeah. easy to survive. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good kind of steady, sticky software business. Awesome. And they're cashed up as well, aren't they? Yeah, so they're just, um, they've got about $12 million in cash now, but they're going to be generating cash from here on out, and then I think they'll put some of that towards acquisitions, potentially. One to watch. Let's talk about, how do you pronounce it, Claude? Clunoval? Or how do I pronounce how it? Do you or pronounce how is it? one supposed to pronounce <laughs> it? Uh, both. <laughs> I think I say Clinuvel, but Clinuvel. I have no idea what the preferred pronunciation is. Um, maybe, hey, if you're the CEO of Clinuvel, hey, take my call. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so look, tell, can, us what, tell us what they do. Can you imagine how ecstatic Clinuvel Pharmaceuticals shareholders feel about its 15,050% share price increase? Over what time frame? That's five years. No, no. I'll still, I'll still I was alive that. then. I was looking at stocks five <laughs> yeah, years ago. <laughs> that could have been me. Um, anyway. Big. That was then, this is now. Yeah, so that didn't happen. I didn't make that amount of money. Uh, some people did. Wow, it's amazing. Is that a story of a usual biotech company burning through shareholder no money way. It's and a, then it's they just finally the, hit? It's and just one of the purest biotech Australian companies I've ever seen, right. that five-year story. Tell us about it. Uh, Clinuvel develops a drug uh, that is used to treat, and I'm going to absolutely uh, not manage this pronunciation, but used to treat earth, erith, through poetic proto-porphyria. Is there an acronym we can get for that? <laughs> there is. <laughs> We're going to call it EPP. EPP. That's better. A rare genetic disease characterized by severe intolerance of uh, light by the skin. Oh, oh right. Yes, I know these guys. Yes. And so 
basically they've got a drug which they brought through the whole testing processes. Can it help people? Yes, it does. Right. They got approved in Europe mm. and that's where they're selling it now. Yep. And basically, about 2016, they crossed over from um, loss-making, developing a drug, to actually getting sales and making a profit. Payday. And in hindsight, if I'd properly absorbed, if I'd properly absorbed Matt's lesson about inflection points back in 2016, I would have been absolutely all over it because it came up in my radar. And what I did was I anchored. I was like, oh, I looked at this, you know, six months ago, and it was three dollars, and and now it's sort of six dollars. And it was passing an inflection point. So I thought, oh, yeah, it's past the inflection point. But, you know, now it's now it's priced in. But that's the thing, right? Mm. The monkey brain does not think exponentially. It yeah. thinks absolutely linearly. linearly. I, you know I'm quoting the wise monkey here. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's a good one, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, you know, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful example. That was me. My monkey brain took over and I thought linearly and I didn't realize that despite the doubling of the share price, there was plenty more to come. So they've got a product, long time in development, burning through a bunch of cash, got approval. Got approval very quickly. Selling it now, I assume covered with the usual patent protections and yeah, for a decent property. amount of time. So. Right. Anyway, so they're selling this for them. They're just minting just it Just in now. Europe. Well, they're hardly minting it, but they're selling it in Europe. They right. very quickly became profitable. They very quickly started paying a dividend, okay. which I don't know what more you could want. Mm. And, well, <laughs> you guys seem less excited about that than me, but I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you like giving money to shareholders. That's like the opposite of most biotechs. <laughs> That's true. For a biotech, paying a dividend is very it's unusual. Yeah. yeah, I better double check. Yeah, yes, it's a very tiny dividend, okay? 0.1%, okay. but it's uh, symbolic okay. here. Okay? <laughs> and also the share price is going up a lot if you yeah. bought it back then at six dollars or prior to them becoming profitable you'd, you'd be happy with the dividend are they in the u.s no so they're not in the u.s yet mm. and so that's sort of i guess what the speculation and hope in the share price is now except of course now it's a much better story uh, i should add here ethical equities has helped popularize this stock matt a different matt matt brazier actually finally got me to overcome my anchoring on this when he initiated coverage of Clinuvel back in September. Uh, so I bought shares in, I think, the high teens mm-hmm. in terms of the share price in the in the dollars. And um, now they've done a decent set of results. Plus, I think more people are paying attention to it. it got bigger, fun starting look, etc. It's $28 now, the share price. So is it... Is it too late for someone like me who's missed all of that good stuff? Can I can I jump on this train now, or well, have I missed it all? As a uh, monkey, I think linearly, and I therefore think it is definitely too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, and indeed, I did actually like take a little bit off the table myself. But I'm trying to have faith in Max Matt's like inflection point theory, mm-hmm. so I've held on to most of my holding there, and we'll see how they go. I hope I want to at least see what happens when they get sales in the US. Okay. Claude, is it uh, just the existing drug or are they under development for new drugs and how do you kind of think about that? I guess that's a pretty tricky thing to value if it it is. So I don't want to pretend I understand their full pipeline properly when I don't. But as I understand it, they are pretty much focused on either this exact drug or mm, slight variations Mm -hmm. thereof that could um, treat similar Mm. issues with skin and light. So low technical risk potentially if it's a similar drug and maybe a similar market too, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, they've definitely got a plan to go beyond the US. I think the worst part of their plan, according to a friend of mine, is to try and get approval in Asian markets. 
because she says, yeah, no one's going to go for the drug that darkens the skin. Uh, yeah, and right. I don't know if that's true or not, of An course. aesthetic uh, consideration. I mean, yeah. it might be that it's actually better that way than have a health issue. You know what always puts me off about these kinds of companies, and it's not to be critical of them, it's the nature of their industry, is that you know, developing um, their, uh, therapeutics, drugs, is, is extraordinarily hard. It's very, very, very costly, and there's huge and massive amounts of risk. And so even the very, very successful ones, they, they spend ages and ages and ages trying to get it you know, through, through the gatekeepers. They finally get one through. Yes, they make a squillion dollars then but they kind of need to to make up for all of the wealth that they created and they've only got a limited time to make that money mm. before it becomes a generic and they lose their their, yeah. their patent so, protections so, so it's kind of it's very it's just a very tough very lumpy thing and, and, and when things go off like this people start going oh and they can do this and then they can do that and then yes but that's a different regulatory process and 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 we know what that tends to be like you know it's like it's like them it's like the dog that finally catches the car it's like oh my god i've got the car it's fantastic that um, is a very harsh <laughs> characterization of one of my shareholdings <laughs> i don't I'm, I'm speaking i'm speaking more i don't think generally. that dog goes well mate <laughs> <laughs> i'm speaking more more generally about the sector so i'm just it is it is something that i have a a ideological uh objection to but i'm happy to be happy to be proven wrong look so you're absolutely right that's the big risk. Uh, that's the, you know, the Matt Brazier is still covering this for ethical equities. You can read his comments there. He's worried about that exact risk you said. Yep. The flip side of that for me is drug companies often find a way to alter the drug slightly to sort of renew the patent. The other thing is there's like obviously some sort of market inefficiency with generics. Otherwise, all of these US drug companies wouldn't be able to just ramp the price to whatever it may be. Mm. So for these very rare diseases, you don't see this very fast generic competition because generics low margin, you need volume. And it's probably so not a, it's not why a, it's you not going, a high incidence. Why of this are you going to go into production of like generics of a very very rare de- mm. disease unless they are so foolish as to put the price really 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 high, which I hope they would not do. Right, gotcha. All right, let's finish up with... Um, it's already very expensive, I should say. Okay. Um, uh, advanced Nanotech. Um, so the ASX code here is uh, ANO. Now, I don't own shares, but Claude, I believe you do. Yes, this was a lucky one for me. So what happened is a while back, I was perusing Andrew's website that he constantly goes on about strawman.com. <laughs> Excellent website. <laughs> Tell your and friends. <laughs> so one of these... Like, actually, there's a few really good contributors on strawman.com. Like, you, you could literally pay... You know, thousands of dollars for a service that would give you less good. Dude, I gotta get some you. Of these guys, I gotta get you on the marketing. You've team. got to, You've got to like some of these guys are really, really good. Oh, let's give them a shout out. Actually, it was Antil who's done very well um, from that. I'm I think a Panda, few of them have Winnie. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. There's, there's a. And these are these are guys who have absolutely smashed the market. Yeah, they they're, are they're really topping good the leaderboard. Guys. Lord knows they're beating. Yeah, me. you'd pay attention. Let's let's run through what the company does. Uh, I guess <laughs> we'll get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> oh, a whole, we did the victory lap already. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's amazing. So it came on it came onto the platform um, about a year ago. I didn't pay much attention to it. I should have. Um, and these guys were basically talking about, look, this is a business that manufactures zinc nanoparticles, and already, you know. Right. Okay. That that doesn't sound like super sexy, um, uh, but the, you there's these zinc nanoparticles that are basically used in sunscreen, but also cosmetics. Um, and the advantage of it is is that they have a very very broad spectrum protection against UV radiation, so they're very 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 effective. In fact, 
way back in the day, you know, you remember watching the cricket when you were a kid, all the cricketers had this white stuff the painted zinc. on their face. The zinc, it's super, super effective. Trouble with it is, you know, not many um, runway models probably like to paint their nose white. You know, there's, there's a, again, an aesthetic dimension to it. When it's in nanoparticle form, it's invisible. So you can put it in sun creams and everything else, and it just looks a lot better. Really quickly, the bizarre thing was when I first researched this years ago, it was called something different then. It was uh, still ANO. Yes. And um, I was worried about the ethical risks of nanoparticles. Turns out that's flipped on its head now, and it seems like the chemicals in the non-zinc stuff is probably bad for the worse for the reef and that. Well, kind of I don't stuff really know okay. if it's really bad for the okay. reef. I think, but well, whatever. Hawaii- it's still not. There's still chemicals that aren't good for you. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like. I don't think the nanoparticles are actually that bad at all, really. It's like chocolate. You know, one week it's good for you, next it's bad for you. I, yeah. I actually think it's, it's it's a rabbit hole we won't go down, but nanotechnology, there's a lot of unknowns with that. So there is there are certain things that I would not know that the science is absolutely sealed on that. They 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 swear but that it is... It's that it part is. of why I bought, because I actually, back when um, actually the uh, momentum trader, uh, Asad Tanus, asked me about the stock. So I did a bit of research on it and... Um, yeah, I delved right in just for my own interest. And actually, I learned a fair bit about the zinc method. And now I happily put zinc stuff on me. Yeah. And, and well, the other thing is as well is that so a lot of the uh, chemical um, active ingredients in sun cream do have bad envir- environmental impacts. Hawaii, for example, has banned the use of, of certain um, sun creams because of that. They reckon it's damaging the reef, uh, etc. Well, I know I'm taking your time on this, but no, please, I ahead. also wish they'd, ba- they'd banned those chemical stuff from my like local waterhole where I always go to chill out and think right. about stocks. So we talked before about, um, what was it, BWX and Sukun, and then there's a very, obviously there's a very big trend in sort of natural environmentally friendly kind of thing. So this tailwind is is pretty strong. What's interesting about advanced nanotech is that there are only a handful of people who make this kind of stuff. They, they seem to always show this this slide in this um, presentation deck, which shows that theirs is, is very effective. They've been working away at a long time um, in terms of the IP around how they mix that, how they produce it. Um, so, so these guys only tipped into profit in 2017 after 14 long years of just losing money, which is another reason I kind of thought, yeah, it's one of these gunner companies they're always gonna make it that was the anataria was the gunner company advanced nanotech mate they're doing it so they they did it and what these guys on strawman were, were absolutely correct on is they actually saw this inflection point was like yes they're put in the hard yards they've got the production the demand is coming through and sales have grown phenomenally so just in the most recent half oh, i've lost my my part in the page in my notes but it was 85 percent up in terms of their their sales profit was up 180 something percent um, and they've also made some big investments in further capacity. So they can produce about 15 tons of this of this zinc nanoparticle powder per week. That's going to be ramped up to 40. They've got some very big contracts locked in. So it's it's the share price has gone from 50 cents to $3, whatever it is now, but it's actually been supported by some very, very strong solid growth in the fundamentals as well. Yeah, so I, I don't want to say, John, the share price, the five-year, I like, I like to look long-term now, Five-year, 2,627%. That's amazing, isn't it? Imagine that on your score. And here's the other thing that I've got to tip my hat to these guys is that like we were talking about before, they could have locked in a 30% profit, a 40% profit, a 100% profit, but they've, they're very much based it on their valuation. Jump onto Strawman, you'll see the consensus valuations. It's about $3.18 at this point in time. It's so actually bang on where the current price is. Um, it's actually entered the Strawman Index of the last week as well. So and that's I also worth the, mentioning. Oh, well, it's Strawman only entered index. it now. Oh, that's 
It's in the last, in the last <laughs> week. <laughs> that is unfortunate timing, yeah, mate. Yeah, why not That would have been good. I think would have been nice. I think that the straw man index may not have gotten in as early as it could have. Well, you know what? It's democratically driven. So people have, have finally come to the, the party and, and we'll see where it goes. Is it? I, have I bought it yet? No, I haven't. Um, I'm looking at it um, very closely. The shares are on a P of about 45 if, if they're going to hit what people are expecting this year. Um, maybe only on a P of about 30 if they're going to do what people expect them to do next year. But definitely a long runway, definitely a nice tailwind, big inside ownership, a very, very good um, story. A couple of quick risks that I want to dig into before I'd be comfortable with doing it. Um, you, again, whenever we see companies making good returns, that is like a moth, moth to a flame, it attracts other people. So you've got to imagine that others are going to ramp up their capacity as well. Um, so that that's demand supply thing could change a little bit. These guys are dealing with very, very big customers, a very, very big, you know, um, uh, beauty uh, companies. You've got to imagine when they came and say, hey, we want to buy 15,000 tons of this stuff, we want to pay this. And if you don't like it, we'll go somewhere else. So there's, there's that component to it um, uh, as well. Um, they're also potential for rising input costs and all those other kind of stuff so very very interesting very very excited big hat tip to all the guys that did very well on that i'm just going to dig a little bit deeper before i get comfortable on it excellent and i should add that your straw man index i believe is soundly beating the market i saw really you tweeted well. that so yeah, yeah even so without this help yeah. so that's but really good i think i'm i think it's amazing like that is a free idea generation tool if you just blindly followed that the straw man index forecast uh that every time something adds into the scorecard if you just bought it instead of like whatever other random stock someone told you to buy you'd actually be doing really you'd be beating it's, the market and you'd be doing well so that's it's about that's 12% up over the last year hey, or so versus it, the market so a, I'm really happy it's with a it. sandbox you know I'd, yeah. I'd always say look that's great idea generation try to beat it yeah of course yeah try most, to get most the good people ones. aren't because there's power in the in the um the um the hive mind as you like to call it I love Absolutely. it mate the hive mind I'm really glad to see that that people have really chipped in on oh, that. Oh, you guys, you're really throwing me some love. <laughs> this it's I love been it. like a year now, Thank right? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you some cash. Uh, it's short-term returns only, Andrew. We need to wait three Plus years. Plus returns before, are not indicative Before we give you any credit, three years. Well, not <laughs> I you. Would, I also, would, that's the thing. It's not your it's credit, not is it? No, it's, it's not the, me. It's the guys that have chipped in so yeah. thanks to all the contributors in store man that's totally good. totally uh thank you very much guys we better wrap it up um it's been a really great episode lots and lots of stuff discussed we will of course be back next week with a whole bunch more uh matthew any closing remarks no thanks very much for listening leave us uh, a rating or reviews always appreciated yeah thanks guys and don't forget we are on spotify now too so we really need to re-emphasize that that is uh I'm, I'm, I, from what i'm told a lot of the feedback we've got a much better platform for a lot of people so if you are using that service check it out we're I, there i really wish you had time for my dolphin story <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one cryptically Maybe a bonus episode in the air uh, until next week i'm andrew page thanks for listening thank you taking my lunch break in four foot swell when a pod of dolphins came they were catching the waves with me and two of them dived up together jumping into the air showing off as it were <laughs> they swam off after that